Say if you give a man a gun, he'll rob a bank. But if you give a man a bank, he'll rob everybody. The good news for you is Private Money Club runs solely on peer-to-peer relationships, which means no banks allowed. So finally, there's a community for real estate entrepreneurs where it is truly a win-win solution. This community is a place where you can connect with other lenders and other borrowers, and the end results, massive growth for you. You get to build your real estate empire, and you get to do it solving other people's problems. So if that sounds like a place you want to be, well, then join us. Go to privatemoneyclub.com forward slash Kelly. And if you want 500 bucks off, just add the code Kelly 500 and I'll knock 500 bucks off the premier membership. For over 90 years, we've been crash testing our cars in the tireless pursuit of automotive safety. At Volvo, safety's been first since 1927. We've saved millions of lives with the invention of the three-point seatbelt in 1959. At Volvo, we've made driving safer for you and them. Visit safety.finleyvolvo.com to learn more. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas podcast where attitude is everything. Everybody's been asking me like the the difference or the 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 with the sponsors, the private money club and then with Volvo. And they were like, how do you connect the two of them with the podcast? And here, I, here's how I can. Number one, I wasn't raised with financial literacy. Um, I was raised to love people. I was raised with the, you know, have an open heart. I was raised, my mom saved a ton of money. Um, my dad, uh, he, he spent his money. Uh, and I didn't realize that financial literacy was so simple because I thought it was complicated because of the words that were used. When I got in touch with Private Money Club and I got in touch with uh, Money School, I started to see that those big words had very small meanings, and once you understood the language, then you could become financially free yourself, and that was a huge, huge aspect, and that's the reason why, for me, relationships are the biggest thing in the world, if if any of you know me, and that's why Private Money Club, for me, has been a relationship that's been awesome. The second one is Volvo. And Volvo, Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas, um, for me, it was my first luxury car. Like, I grew up with uh, cars that we didn't buy. We just got them. They just showed up at the house. They were broken down. My dad was able to fix them. And we never had anything that we got to choose. The first car that I got to choose was a Volvo 850 GLT 1993. And I thought I was P. Diddy. And uh, I got a, uh, I have a friend named Jim DiGiulio who owns the dealership out there in Las Vegas. And I tell you, it takes service to a whole different level. If you, uh, you know, as far as buying cars, most of the time it's one of the biggest pains in the world. But when you're dealing with Jim, you're dealing with Finley Volvo Cars Las Vegas, it makes it a completely different scenario. Um, so uh, enough of that. On to the real reason why we're here on the show is to bring on iconic people who help you to realize that you don't have to be extraordinary as a person to be able to accomplish extraordinary things. You can be a person in your neighborhood. You can be a person wherever you're at. And because of your heart, because of the things that you do, you can impact people on such a huge level. And that's why I'm so uh, proud to have this young lady on the show today is because we were just talking before we started recording and there's very few people people who listen. Number one, there's very few people who watch. There's very few people who observe. And then there's even fewer that take action on those things. And since I met this young lady a couple of years ago, we became fast friends. We had a, uh, we got a chance to be at a, a convention called Secret Knock and we had dinner. 
and we had a big crew of, uh, of uh, there at the table, and we gravitated towards each other because we have some things in common, which we're going to talk about. Um, but it was incredible to be able to, to have a person truly hear you. She wasn't about talking. She was about listening. And then she was about applying. And this part to me is just absolute magic. Um, so she's a uh, hairdresser. Whoop, whoop. She's an author. And she's a sought-out speaker and a leader of one of the baddest masterminds in in the world today. Please welcome to the uh, to the show, Miss Louisa Johanovich. Hello, Kelly. I am so honored to be here. This is just, what a wonderful experience. Thank you. You got it. You got it. So help help me with this. You you just told me a story about your mom. Uh, you know, if she got a piece of chocolate, uh, you know, tell tell the chocolate story um, because I think it really embodies. And for those of you that just tuned into the show, the things that you're going to hear about today is number one. You're going to hear about the unselfish nature and how that can expand on on things. Number two, you're going to hear about listening. Number three, you're going to hear about application. And you're going to also hear about people who are financially successful. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. And so tell us the chocolate story. Oh, I love the chocolate story because I actually now do it with my children. So the chocolate story was every time my parents would go to a wedding, you know how they have those little chocolates on your plate? Well, my parents would take them and they couldn't even really take a bite of it because all they would want to do is save it for my sister and I. They would bring it home and give it to us with such joy because they they truly thought if there was anything in the world that was special, it was for us. It really wasn't for them to go, oh, it's for us. They would bring it to my sister and I. So we were raised with so much love. And oh my God, I got to add to this story. I can't, I, my dad's going to hear it, but that's okay. So my sister and I weren't the cutest kids ever. It's why I became a hairdresser. We were not hot, but my parents used to act like we were so hot. So we really grew up with so much confidence thinking that we must be special because our parents say so, right? And recently my dad was looking at a picture of us and he said, you guys really weren't cute kids. And I was like, what? <laughs> Well, I said, well, you made us feel so special. What do you mean? We thought we were so special. He said, well, you were mine. What was I going to do? <laughs> so when, did you just have this conversation just, just recently? Last week. Last week. I have been telling everybody because I grew up thinking I knew I wasn't cute, but I thought my parents thought we were cute. And so they raised us to think we walked on water kind of special and apparently they didn't think so either. <laughs> so, so talk to us about the, the, the high points of that and the down points of that, because there's, I mean, there's all different theories to this, right? And so I just heard it the other day where a person was like, you know, tell your kids what they're actually good at. And then if they're not good at something, don't tell them or, or, or be honest with them. And I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of tough at a, a early age. Like, and he used it with the, the NFL. He was like, if your kid wants to be in the NFL and you're keep telling them, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can, and you don't see the talent. Luis, are you doing a disservice? Is there a, a positive and negative to a part to this as far as the encouragement or is there no negative to it? 
I believe we all see other people's talents. We kind of feel it, right? I, I see people's talents and I kind of know before even they know what their special skills are. And so I knew I loved doing hair. I would make anyone be my hostage and make them sit down so I could do their hair. And it went, the entire time I, I grew up, I thought my mom always wanted me to do her hair because I was great at it. We just didn't have any money. So she needed someone to do her hair. I had no idea it wasn't because I was so special. I grew up thinking it's a skill I have. And everywhere we went, my mom would say, oh, Louisa loves doing hair. I believed I did. And I grew, and then as soon as I started beauty school, which I babysat for from 12 years old to 18, I made $11,000 and beauty school was $11,000. And my parents, my grandfather said to me when I was growing up, I love giving you money because you always give it back to me. So I was really responsible around money. I was really responsible in general. That's why everyone had me watching their kids. So $11,000 later, I signed up for beauty school and I knew I was just going to make it. It was just, there was no question around what I was going to do. And I was diehard at it. So Louisa, tell me this though, that, that financial literacy part, where did it come from? How were you taught at an early age? Cause when I started the show and I'm talking about private money club, or you're going to see, uh, the, the, uh, money school later, um, I wasn't raised with financial literacy. Like were you, was it, what did your parents talk to you about? Where did you learn it? And how important is it in today's society with the kids today? Well, my grandfather and my and my parents walked me to the bank and opened up my first bank account. I was super, super young. And I put my money in and it was the intention was to save it. So all my birthday gifts, all my babysitting money, and I was making, gosh, this was the early 90s. I was making $11 an hour from babysitting because I knew I could. I was like, well, the kids want to hang out with me, not an adult. The adults are charging a little bit more, but I'm more, I'm pretty responsible. So I had these kids' car seats in my car, and I preferred being with them more than I preferred being with kids in school. So I made money hanging out with kids, and they loved me, and I thought I was special. So I just kept putting my money away, and what I was listening to with my parents was everything that they weren't doing right. They were working really, really, really hard, really hard, but they weren't on the same page. They, my dad was, you know, you actually said it about your parents. My dad liked to play with his money, invest his money and do things. My mom was the saver and let's be safe. So I was caught in the middle of what's the right thing to do. Is it about safety or is it about investing? My dad is the entrepreneur and, you know, I remember they bought a building it was $500,000. They wanted to operate a business out of it. And then the business, the person who was giving them the business, my dad knew nothing about clothing manufacturing, but he was adamant he was going to open a clothing manufacturing business, a huge building in Glendale. And the person who was giving them the business had a heart attack and died. So instead of thinking, what can we do with this building? They sold it and lost $200,000. Now that building is worth $4 million. So had they thought a little bit before panicking, they could have rented out the building. Instead of paying 200,000 in debt, they could have just held on to it. But, you know, Greg Reed talks about this all the time, get counselor instead of advice. And when you're on the same page, you get to actually think what what is, and I heard you say it the other day to somebody, you said, word of something I 
think about is don't sell property, like hold on to it. And I listen for those very wise words. So I believe had they kept the building and just rented it out and been on the same page, they could have had a $4 million building right now. Louisa, there's, there's three sides to, or I think three components to mentorship. And this is something that I think a lot of times, number one, people aren't aware of, but is the reason why it doesn't work because they're not aware of it. Number one is listening. Um, and listen, listening, uh, is, is huge and encapsulated in that, in that number one is listening and asking direct questions, which I noticed that you do. You ask direct questions and you listen. Um, well, actually, let's go, let's go, let's rewind it. Number one is asking questions and you do this at a, I've never seen anybody do this at the level of which you do. You ask a question. Number two, you listen. And number three, you apply and then you bring back the results to the mentor. Every time you do this, and I don't know if you, you realize this, but this is a pattern that I've been watching for the last couple of years that we've been friends and you do it every single time. You ask pointed questions, you listen, you apply it, and then you bring back the results to the mentor, not just to everyone, but you share it with everybody. How did you learn this? Because that is a skill level that is, again, it's not very common for people to have. I wish I knew. I remember when I was a kid, I used to run away from home. And I remember her name was Lonia. She was this little old lady across the street. And I'd go and hang out at her house and ask her a million questions. I swear to God, I thought everybody was like me. I thought everybody asked a lot of questions. They would listen. And then because I was always looking for the answer. And I would even babysit because I wanted to see what other people's homes look like. You know, the ones who had structure, the ones who had discipline, the ones how they loved their children. I was part of everybody's house, mostly because I was taking in what they did. You know, the children who woke up and had a schedule just happened to be happier children. The parents who were disconnected didn't really have the happy children. I saw what family looked like, but I was also very wrong about certain things. There was one family that I thought, I actually used to send off my children to their house because there was a moment where I didn't feel like I had the family that was um, what I wanted to show my children. So I would run them along to someone else's house because I thought that looked like family. And because the mom made my, my personal thoughts was she made her dinners from scratch and they would sit around the table. And in my head, we were all taught, at least I was, that's family, right? So my son wrote me a card for my birthday and he said, mom, I love doing everything with you. And I thought, oh, I'm here sending them off with other people. And my son just shared, he likes to do things with me. So I used to watch other families and learn from them. But one of the things I realized our kids really are watching us as much as I watched other people. And he really shared in that card, he wanted to be with me. So it was a huge learning lesson for me because as much as I'm watching you to how you are with your kids and the way your son lights up and the way your daughter is and everything you're involving him in your life, I realized my kids love that too. When I had my son on the mastermind the other day, he came out of the room, it was with uh, Jeff Hoffman. He said, I love being part of what you just did and people really love you. I swear to God, it was like the greatest moment of my life. So help me with this too. Uh... 
because Luis, a lot of times people will see a person like yourself and you'll see, um, you have gold, like you have gold in you. And so when you touch them, it's gold. But we know that it's work that produces the gold, right? And so you're working at these things. A lot of times people see your results, but they don't see the process of it. But when they look at you, they say, wow, you know, you got a very successful, I mean, bi-coastal business with, uh, in hairdressing and you were able to do that. You, you had, uh, you know, some circumstances as far as being a single mom and you were able to be very successful at that. Now with your mastermind, with your books, with all the things. And sometimes I look at this and this is selfish for me because I have a 14 year old daughter. Those of you listening, you know that I have a daughter named McKenna. She's 14 years old and now boys are coming around. How is it when you have a, you're watching the lessons with dad, you got the mom, you got the stuff. And sometimes as women, you guys choose boneheads. Help me with this because I want to create a course on to fathers on how to make sure that your daughter doesn't go down that road. Help a brother out. That's a tough one because I struggled with it growing up and I had a really strong dad and I still struggled with it. it I, you know, I ask my daughter every day, what are you grateful for? And you know what she says to me? Myself. I'm like, I love you, child, but what else are you grateful for? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, myself. And I just, she's a tough cookie. And I swear to God, I think that from all of the women that I, when I'm doing hair, I'm also listening to all the clients. Everyone says, you just allow children to go through a little bit of their ouchy spots in order to learn. I don't know how, um, I, I, if I had an answer to that, one of the things I've been doing with my daughter is every night I sit with her for 30 minutes and we do mindset work. We listen to something really positive that somebody's teaching, whoever it is, and then she gets to tell me what she learned. I have connected with her teachers. They are so proud of who she is and the way she's showing up in class. As much as she pretends she hates this, it's, it's creating results at school. So she shows up as a leader. And one of her teachers said to me, you know, your daughter has a tendency to hijack my classroom. So she has leadership qualities. So everybody wants to hang out with her and listen to what Kara is doing, but she has a tendency to hijack my classroom. So I was thinking in that moment, well, why don't you give her a little portion to lead? That way she won't hijack it and you're the one choosing it. So after that, when teachers come up to me and say, what do I need to know about your daughter before she starts my class? I say, she can either hijack your class or you could give her a little bit of leadership space because she tends to want to do it. I used to volunteer in her class and I swear, I, I know the girl, she wants to take over the class. So... It, it, that became her favorite teacher, the one who listened. Kara was her favorite student. And Kara learned how to be in a classroom without needing to take over. Wow. And this space has been working. So, Louisa, how is it that you're, I mean, because the, the intuition on you, and this is a thing that I admire with you too, is it's unbelievable and you have this power to allow people to be themselves. I complimented you on it when I got a chance to be on your mastermind. Um, most of the time, people want to make sure and interject or they want to become the expert. You have become the expert. We all know that you are. And everyone who is watching and knows you knows that you are because you allow everyone else to shine. 
How does a person develop that? Because that takes the supreme amount of confidence. Understanding it's not about us. It's really, if we're here to give, if we're really here to listen and give, then it's about what we get to share. It's the chocolate. It's my parents bringing back the chocolate. It's not about us. And the minute I get, I learned this from Kelly, I get to share this. I, I learned this from Jeff, I get to share this. I learned from this from Greg, I get to share this. I sometimes think I have these bright ideas and I'm, and I hear it from somebody else and I realize they're all, we all have bright ideas. This is nothing new. I read my notes from when I was in my 20s. I realized I wrote the same things then. I was brilliant then and I'm brilliant now and I'm just as stupid then and as I'm stupid now. <laughs> so, Louisa, who, how do you give, like, where do you gain permission from? Because I think this is a big thing and I watch you, like, you wanted to, you wanted to write. You got into best-selling books. Um, you wanted to speak. You're out there speaking. You want to start a mastermind. You just did it. Um, you wanted to go to hair school. You did it a lot of times people are waiting for the permission to go and do the thing that they were purposed to do. And, and you seem to have found this little switch where like it, it literally is Luisa's allowed to do whatever Luisa needs to do. How can a person out there that's listening or watching, how can they enable that in their own life? I feel like I got that when I was 17, I wanted to do something my father said I can't do. And I would have to take his car to do it. I wanted to go to the gym at three o'clock in the morning. And he said, not in my car. I said, fine, I'll walk. And I tried walking. It was four miles. I was cold and I turned back. And I remember thinking, well, I guess if I have my own car, then somebody can't tell me I can't do something. And there was an, and then when I was getting divorced, he said to me, you know, everything you've ever said you wanted to do, you've done. So I don't worry about you. And I, I tend to collect evidence. When people, enough people say, I don't worry about you. You're one of those girls or people who happens to just go out and get it. But the, the shift to that was I heard, um, I was listening to a book and I heard if I could do it, you could do it. And I remember thinking if I do it, then other people can do it because as much as I had all this evidence that I could do it, I still, I was waiting for permission too. I was waiting for someone to choose me, some, someone to say, oh, Louisa, please go out there and create a mastermind. And weird enough, I swear, people do tell us, are we listening? Someone once said to me, wow, you have a lot to share. You should do it in a bigger group. And I thought, how many times am I going to hear that before I take action? And I did. I took action and I just started saying yes, even to things I didn't know what I was saying yes to. I said yes. And I figured it out along the way. You know, I, I shared this because I think it's funny. The A plus next to my name is my blood type. I've never had an A plus. Like my, I'm an A positive. <laughs> And I remember finding out when I was pregnant with my son that my blood type was an A positive. I was like, that's the first A plus of my life. So with enough evidence that, do I know how to write? No. Do I know how to do any of the things I ended up doing? No. But as I took it on and people were like, wow, you're actually really good at this. And the more I did it, I became good at it. And I just got better and I started to have more confidence, just like I sucked at doing hair initially. People, you know, I loved it, but I still sucked at it. 
it took a while. You know, when people talk about how great someone is, they didn't wake up great. You were interviewing someone recently. I don't remember who the name was, but he was talking about um, watching Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson works harder than everybody else. Very talented, but he worked harder than everybody else. So I collecting evidence said to myself, well, just work harder than everyone else. Don't give up. <laughs> that was Alvin Taylor. Um, that was a, it was, it was incredible to be able to uh, have the conversation with him and this dude was 14 years old, Louisa, 14 years old, got discovered by Little Richard. Billy Preston was in the band and a guy named Jimmy James, who turned out to be Jimi Hendrix. And their first gigs was opening up for Elvis at the International at 14 years old. And so that's the person that you're giving context to. There's a, uh, something that you use all the time that I hear in you, and I've never addressed it. You always talk about showing up. You talk about showing up and that that is almost the secret sauce. And it's not only the act, the act of showing up, but you talk about how you show up. Can you explain this concept? Because this has been something that kind of blows my mind and it keeps me conscious on that as I move forward in, you know, in life. It's one, I love people. I love showing up because I truly, I love people. I get energized by people. I love showing up because it, it gives to me. So, and it's, you shared this recently. You said your wife shares how taking out the trash, taking the kids to school, doing all of thing, those things are truly showing up. Those are the things that I do. I love working out. I love making my bed. I love taking a shower. I love getting ready for these events. To me, all of that is showing up. People think that, I don't know, it, it, it's this, the Oprah moment. You talked about it with, oh, Oprah's going to discover me. She is because you're busy doing your life and being who you are. And of course you'll be discovered. And I just have this dream that every single day I show up, somebody somewhere is going to connect to magic. And however that shows up, it's going to be magic in my life because all I'm spreading is someone to leave with feeling so excited because of that interaction we just had. So I think that's showing up. But what about the person that wants to argue with you? I want to play the, I, I like to call it uh, uh, Jesus's advocate. I don't like the other side, but <laughs> let, let's, let's call it the other side. All right. So I'm going to be the advocate here and say, that sounds great, Louisa, but I got to get mine. I'm in a culture right now that although you're saying like, you know, eat that little bit of chocolate as your parents and, but bring the rest home. But where am I going to get mine? I got kids, I got bills. I got this life that I need to live. And you're telling me go give it away. And then I'm going to be successful at what I'm doing. I don't know about that. Help me with this. I love that because based on results, the ones who don't, who are just looking at it the other way are always the ones without it. Everyone else, I'm a collect, I collect evidence and I love evidence. So everyone who gives it away has it. Everyone's who's sitting home going, what about me? Nobody wants to be around them. And I personally, it doesn't, you know, you know this, I know this. I have clients who live in $12 million houses. They're miserable. I have clients who live in $20 million houses and they're miserable. I have clients who live in a one bedroom house and they're happy. So it really is. It, it, I 100% believe you bring yourself along wherever you go. And 
It's just how you look at it. So the person who lives in the in a really fancy house, there that becomes normal to them. And so I I invited a few people to Secret Knock, and the, one of the first things somebody said is, "I've done these before. How does this equal money to me?" I wanted to hide underneath the table when I heard that because I was so embarrassed that those words left someone's mouth. And nobody wants to work with, contribute to, be in relationship with someone who's all about them. Even when they succeed, again, based on results, they tend to not stay in that space or appreciate it. So I would rather be on this journey, be trust that no matter what I do, I'm going to be at least happy. And then everything from there is going to be wonderful. Um, there are those people which always fascinate me. You know, go, you go to church and everybody's loving every minute. They're celebrating, they're dancing, they're joyful. And then there comes the basket moment where you actually have to give back, right? And everybody goes, what? What do you mean? Well, what do you mean? Like the world is give and take. It's It's not take, take, take. There's this moment where everyone, you, they have the three-day challenges, they have the five-day challenges, you give, you give, you give, and then one, and then there's the, oh, and now it's going to cost this. And people are in shock. What? <laughs> of course there's give and take. You know, if I didn't want to give to someone else, what would make me think they're going to want to give to me? So I generously love giving because then when I say it's going to be this much, People happily say, I'll hug you, kiss you, and pay you. So with the what what principles have you learned? Like in the professional beauty industry, I, I think it's a cheat code. Um, it's something that for us, we get a chance to be able to, you know, learn principles that literally transcend. So can you talk about some of those principles that you've learned from, you know, and neither one of us when we went to hair school it was the popular thing to do. We can, we can, uh, we can agree on that. It wasn't like, I remember I was joking, uh, with my, of my mom one time. She was like, no son, I'm proud of you. I said, but mom, think of this. I said, I could see you talking to the neighbor and the neighbor says, Oh, I'm so-and-so. And she says, I'm Jackie Cardenas. She says, I've got three sons. Oh, wow. The neighbor asked, what do your sons do? She says, well, my first son, is a doctor. Wow, congratulations. My second son, that first son is Guy. Second son named Rob, he's an attorney. Yay! And she says, and my youngest son, Kelly, he's a hairdresser. And to which the neighbor responds, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> As a joke. And my mom would be like, no, son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. But I understood, like I was real about it. No one was growing up at the time when we went being like, the only thing I want to be in life is a hairdresser. Although being a hairdresser is a cheat code for every other business in the world. Can you expand on that? I, my parents did not want me to go to beauty school. I could have done it for free during high school with the ROP program. <laughs> Remember it cost me $11,000. I could have done it for $0. My dad said, you're going to go be something smart with your life. Go, you're a smart girl, go do something smart. And he always said, make money with your signature, not, not physically having to work. Mm. So one of the things we, you touched on earlier is how we, you know, brainwash our children. 
I always remember that make money with your signature. So my girlfriend went and became an attorney because she heard my dad say this. She said, I used to go home and think, what should I do with my life? And my first, uh, you know, we had 400 hours of the ROP program where you are, I'm mean, not the ROP with, um, where you actually are sitting in class and listening to the theory. Stuff I, yeah. yeah. I'm not good at. So the teacher said to me, you know, Louisa, you're never going to make it in this industry. And I was so upset, but I did have this, like, yes, I am. I just know I can't sit still. So the second part I actually did do, you know, I love the people. I love connecting. I did great on that part. And then I got out and I started doing the, the publisher's hair of on the Boulevard magazine. And all of a sudden he's writing articles about me every single month. Now my mom is taking those magazines and being like, look at my daughter. She's so amazing. Right. And so with that being said, and then I'm doing hair and now I'm traveling to Italy on five-star uh, vacations with my clients. And I'm going to Miami and someone's flying me out to do their hair for their wedding. And I'm doing all kinds of amazing things. All of a sudden it's like, oh, she's so special. Isn't she great? And, and I've, I went to the Grammys cause I do the ladies hair who puts the, uh, who's the VP of one of the big parts to it. And I am so excited to, I, I followed my gut as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to be not the smartest. However, I do remember when I was on bed rest and I couldn't do hair, I was crying. I was really upset thinking if I can't stand behind the chair, what am I going to do with my life? Who's going to, how am I going to contribute if I can't stand behind the chair? So that's where the mastermind came from. The coaching came from, because I realized it's not just doing hair. My intention is to connect. These conversations were about how I get to make a difference. And it wasn't just me doing their hair. I love the relationships. And during COVID, I got certified to be a coach. During COVID, I like did all these things that took me from only behind the chair, one person at a time, to having a global connection. I hosted a, a summit that had people from London in it and the UK and all, all these remarkable relationships. I'm like, I learned all of this behind the chair. It gives it gives me so much joy because honestly, like as a hairdresser, it's a cheat code because really what every single business is, is being able to number one, drum up business, right? So you got to drum up business. Once you have from a hairdresser standpoint, once you have that person in the chair, you need to make sure and educate them and pour into them as much as possible and be present with them. And then you need to make sure that you get a chance from pouring into them to get it to see them again. I just gave you an MBA, right? I just gave you an MBA. Like, go get the guest, treat the guest amazing, get to see the guest again. That's what business is, right? And we get a chance to do it on a day-to-day. -day. I mean, it, it was, I mean, for my time in the professional beauty industry, I, you know, it, it just was amazing. So, we're going to go to break right now, but I want you to think about this one because you are a person who embodies this. The first time I ever heard it was Jim DiGiulio, the uh, owner of Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. And what he said uh, to me, he said, Kelly, that relationships are more important than transactions. And I want you to expand on this right when we get back from commercial. Uh-oh, it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. 
The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever meet them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. I see it as you've got two choices. You can either keep pretending like nothing bad's ever gonna happen to you, and then when it does, you're saying, uh-oh, or you can get ahead of what's coming so that when it does, not if, you're ready for it, and you're sitting pretty, sipping on Mai Tais next to the pool, working on that Caribbean suntan, because you got it covered. So folks, it's time for you to learn the truth about money. It's time for you to take back control of your money so that you are ready for what's about to happen. By doing that, you're setting yourself up for absolute success. No matter what comes your way, you're ready for it. And that's what I want for you, and I wanna help you with that. So go to chrisnoggle.com and sign up for the Wealth Webinar. We do them every Wednesday at 1 p.m., and you need to be there because it's time to get prepared. We're back, and so I want to I want to ask you that question to be able to expand on it. For those of you who just joined us uh, before uh, during the commercial break, is the difference between relationship and transaction? And you have been a master at this throughout your career, and I want to I want to congratulate you on it. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Thank you, Kelly. So you know what I think it is. I ask myself what I want to be in a relationship with myself. What I want to do business with myself. Mm. And if the answer is yes, fabulous, because I know, I know how people feel when they leave my space. I know my intention to, before they get into my space, that I want to give them everything I have. And I want them to leave so happy and so fulfilled that it will absolutely transform their life because it transforms mine. And to be able to give from a space that it's infinite, that, you know, I don't have lack. People are like, why do you give so much? Because then what are you left with? I'm like, do you see how much people give me? I mean, have you seen what I get? How, how am I lacking? Look at my life. People pour into me all day long. I am, someone recently said to me, 
may I ask for you to do something for me? I need this. And I said, absolutely, because he had done so much for me already. I was 100% enrolled into helping him, right? I didn't realize what it meant was he was helping me. He wanted to help me brand a lot of new things that and, and to use me as the subject and then to use that as what he was doing for himself. I agreed to absolutely helping him, thinking it was for him, and it poured into me. I met this couple at the salon, speaking of writing, they were just wonderful human beings. And I'm sitting here going, I really could get some support with an editor. I really could use blah, blah, blah. I swear on my life. In that moment, I got a text from them that said, we would be honored to help you. Because I had asked their hairdresser, do you think, because they're English professors, they would be open to helping me. They're retired and they just love doing this. And I'm sitting there doing my chapter and I thought, I really could use some help. And in that moment, I got a message. We'd be honored to helping you. And they, with nothing in return, other than knowing that I get to turn around and make a difference, they've been giving to me. So it really is just if we generously give, we get back so much more than I ever dreamed. So when when have you in your life had a time where maybe there was a little bit of lack um, whether, whether that been you were, you were either emotionally, you were a little bit drained, you were financially drained, whatever it was, and your inkling in your head of what your training was give, but your body or your mind was saying, I just don't have it to give. Can you give a specific of that time and then give us some of the results of, of what that is? It was the beginning of COVID. I, when everything shut down, I had never had like a dead stop before. I couldn't fly to LA. I couldn't do my clients. I literally was like, oh my God, how am I going to make it through this? When everything stopped, I really thought I was going to lose everything I had worked for. I lived in Florida. I had flown back to LA every month for four years, hurricane time, fire time. It didn't matter. I came back and now it was out of my hands. And I truly, I remember people were paying some of their um, employees money. And I thought, well, no one's giving me money. Like no one thinks that they need to give me money. How, how? I felt bad. I felt sorry for myself, honestly. And uh, someone said to me, wow, Luis, is that how you see yourself? And they were like, you really think that you're there, that someone needs to give to you? And I thought, wow, you don't see me that way? Because I, in that moment, did. Yeah. And, and I was really, it was, it was hard because I thought I was really in that, like, oh, God, I've got two kids. How am I going to make it? And I actually really appreciated she didn't see me that way, which meant that other people might not. And, you know, me saying poor me wasn't going to help anybody. So I switched from this being a horrible experience to how was I going to be in trust and surrender to an opportunity that no one, none of my clients were leaving to go anywhere. They actually were stuck too. And they couldn't just try another hairdresser because I wasn't flying in they weren't getting their hair done. So I took the opportunity in that time to get certified for what my dad always said, make money with your signature. I got to now learn something that if God forbid anything happens and I can't stand behind the chair, I have now something else to add to my life. And forever till the day I'm can't, I want to be standing on a stage speaking. I want to be sharing. I want to be doing all of this. And I didn't see myself doing that with hair. 
I love doing hair. I will forever want to do hair because it's a beautiful art, but I want to, I really want to have a global experience and that the hair has always been one person at a time. So help us with this too, because I think there, there's an aspect of you and I, I love this with women because you have so many, women always have so many different facets with, with guys, <laughs> we have the tendency to be a little simpler, uh, cavemen, right? But with women, it's like you you have to be, if you're going to be in business, you have to be a savvy businesswoman, right? If you're going to be in a relationship, you've got to serve that part of it too. If you're going to have children, then you got to be a mom. But it's not like you get a break from one to do the other, to then do the other, then to do the other. And a lot of times as guys, we get off a little easy. Because if we go to work and then we come home, it's almost natural and normal. Like seeing this I saw this with my friends' dads all the time. They would work their tails off. Then they'd come home, they'd have their chair, and no one would bother them, and they'd just do that thing. There's never that time for a woman. The woman, if she's working, she comes home, she got to tend and make sure the kids are okay. Even if the dad said he was going to, the mom is still doing that. Let's talk about being a mom, and even more specific, being a single mom, and some of the challenges that you had, because I think there's so many women out there that are listening that resonate with those challenges as opposed to just the successes of what Luisa has been able to do. I used a sentence in my head, God gives you, doesn't give you more than you can handle. And I have enrolled my children into participating in this life with me. Mm. And it's building a muscle. I, I have the muscle built now and my house is run very smoothly. Everybody knows what they're meant to do. Everybody contributes. My children do not fight with each other. They're still children and they still need guidance, but they are, I live with little adults. My son has a job and he's very self-sufficient. My daughter is doing her thing and she's excelling. Um, I truly just kind of made it into a team. We all work together and um, it's, I realized what I, you know, I interviewed a lady who's in her seventies because I, I truly love learning from people who've done it. And she had raised three remarkable men. I said, how, what is it that you did that worked for these boys that you raised? Because they didn't, she was divorced and she did this alone. She said, I wanted them to feel seen and heard. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, because when my kids were in preschool, I made a decision because everything is like, we make these big decisions, right? I said, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to make a lot of money. When they're teenagers and they need me, I'm going to be there for them. Well, I didn't know I was going to be starting all over when they were teenagers. And then I could now abandon them some more and concentrate on making money and then think that like, wow, their whole life went by and I missed it because I thought I was supposed to be successful so I could contribute to them. Well, I heard Jeff Hoffman say, these kids are where the gold is, not in those words, but really what he was saying. And I thought, well, if I enroll my children and work with them, we can actually do this part of our life together. Mm-hmm. He said, just ask your children. They know. And he said, the next 10 years are the, the huge part. So successful people, when I go to them and I'm like, oh, my God, everyone's talking about the sky is falling. They say, it sounds like a sale to me. And successful people see sale. They don't see the sky is falling. So I'm like, well, if I don't think the sky is falling and I look into what's possible, I went into enrolling my children to participate. 
brainwashing them. I tell them all the time, you guys are going to pay for your college before you go to college. You know, when my dad was like the signature thing, it's in my head. So I just told my children they're going to pay for college before they ever are in college because of how really insightful they are and how smart they are. And if I introduce them to all the people that I'm working with, they could be discovered by Oprah. So, you know, you're doing it with your kids. Look at the podcast you're creating. It's really just seeing, uh, even watching you, I'm like, Kelly's doing a podcast. That's up to something really smart. So I'll do a podcast, right? And it's not copying. He's doing something extraordinary. And other people are doing something extraordinary. If I sit there and go, I can't copy Kelly. Why not? This is a gigantic world and we all get to do it. And we're all so different. Why would Kelly think, did she just go create a podcast because I have one? No, but Louisa sees Kelly's brilliant. And so it makes sense. Learn from people. Well, you're always looking for evidence. This is, and you said that earlier, you know, you're always collecting evidence as much as you possibly can. Um, can you talk to the single moms out there, um, you know, that are in it? And when I say in it, um, you know, my mom, uh, my parents stayed together, but there was times where my mom was acting as a single mom. My parents were split up. And I remember, like, I remember her working 16, 18 hour days. I remember not being able to, her not being able, not having enough energy to pull out the couch. And she just slept on the couch because she had a, a hide a bed because we had a one bedroom apartment. And me and my th- uh, two brothers slept in the room and she slept in the front room. Um, talk to those, uh, those, those mothers out there that are in it right now. What are some actionable items that they can do to start move, start moving towards this kind of abundance mindset that you're talking about that we're very, I mean, in our world now, Louisa, it's very common to hear it. Right. But when you're in it and you're getting hit with everything, you're getting smacked in the face with life. What do you have to say to those single moms? It 1 million percent. It, it, I was here and it felt like a moment and it was a little, it was hard at the time. I remember I used to, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud in publicly. I used to take pictures of my eyes with tears in it so I could remember my pain Mm -hmm. because I would cry to and from places. I was so afraid. How was I going to start all over again? How was I going to be a parent to two kids? How was I going to do anything? And as I would like be driving and I would put the rear view mirror down and I could see the pain in my eyes, I actually remember taking pictures of it because I wanted to remember that pain. I'm glad I did because I remember that moment. I remember the pain and I'm so grateful it's not my life anymore. I'm so grateful I went to yoga. I'm so grateful I put on my tennis shoes and went for a walk. I'm so grateful I read everything I could get my hands on. I'm so grateful I listened to every podcast they could because here's my reality you get to make a choice whether you're going to stand up or sit down. You can't do them both at the same time. You've got to make a choice whether you're going to be standing or sitting because there is no choosing both. So I was either going to trust that I was going to make it or I was going to really follow the rabbit hole and believe I wasn't. And every time I thought about that, I was like, are you standing or sitting? And it would be very easy to shift because I, if I allowed my thoughts to take over, I was the girl who was like, why didn't anyone give me money during COVID? 
But at the same time, I became the girl who not only succeeded, I held my hand out for everybody else to say you could too. And it really showed what we can do because I didn't know I could. I really didn't. And I had to think about my little self going into a salon at 14 and saying, can I get a job here? And the guy hired me. And I remember my little self getting babysitting jobs and my little self having other people's car seats in my car, other people's families leaving me their children to go to Hawaii while I watched their kids. And I remember being the little girl. If I had it then, I'm like, I got this. So I the 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 picture of my eyes I go back to because it reminds me that that did happen. I was really sad. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I did do it. Take us to one of those times specifically, because I think there's always the, like, whenever I hear a person that, um, and I, I always use a caveat, and you've heard me say this before, Louisa, when I talk about success, because my brother about jumped through the phone when I said this guy was successful. He said, wait, stop. He said, what do you mean? And I said, well, he's doing really well financially. He said, that's not success, Kelly. And he said, I don't want to hear you say that again. And I was like, I mean, my brother is my hero. Like, I mean, he'll whoop me. So I was like, was he going to come through the phone? He's going to whoop me because of this. But he told me too that every time that someone's truly successful, which means that they're in touch with their purpose, more people are inspired by the specifics of the challenges that they've had. And he told me about one time, he's going to get mad at me for saying this, but I'll say it anyway. He told me that um, a turning point for him was going to Starbucks early on when he started his law firm and he got there and he went to charge a, a, a cup of coffee and he didn't have enough on his debit card to be able to get a cup of coffee. And he sat in the parking lot and he just went over that place and it was so painful to him. He didn't realize that it was going to be the thing that he was going to brag about later. And I don't think I've shared this on the podcast, but you know, when we, when the COVID hit, um, everything wiped out for us too. And I remember I needed, not that I needed, but I remember I was like, I'm going to start the podcast and I didn't need it, but there was this, this thing, this studio, uh, that I, that I wanted this microphone in the studio and then whole nine. And it was $900. And, I was on the way to Ralph's park or Ralph's to get some food of which I, I didn't even know what I was going to get. Cause I didn't have any money. And I was sitting and I just told my brother, like, should I buy this, this studio? It's $900. I feel so horrible because I don't even have money to be able to get my family food. And he said, you just need to think about it. Pray about it. It's like, cool. So we get off the phone. I'm in the parking lot and I pull up to Ralph's and I'm sitting in the parking lot and I'm like, what can I get to be able to make sure that my family eats? Cause I don't have any money. And I get the call from my brother. It was like five, six minutes later after we had talked and he, uh, and he, he got on the phone and he's like, Hey man, um, I just want to let you know, don't buy that studio. You shouldn't. And I was like, cool. He's giving me sage advice. And then he paused and he said, because it's on the way. And I was just tears everywhere, couldn't believe it. I mean, a couple of things. Number one, 
being a man, I can't provide for my family right now. Number two, someone believes in me enough to be able to take a chance. And that's how the podcast started. Tell us about a specific when those tears were in your eyes and what you were feeling at the time and what you were going through. It was twice, but the first one was when I was living in LA and my ex-husband's job moved us to Florida. So he moved a year before I did and I stayed here with the two kids. And I didn't know how I was gonna make it. And my nanny quit a month after he left. So I went from having a nanny and a husband to, to doing all of this, to him living in Florida, coming home every, uh, every two weeks for 24 hours. And we put the house on the market. So I pretty much sold the house on my own. And they did have everybody come and pack us. And, and I cried every day, wondering how I was gonna make it without my parents, without anything in Florida. The first six weeks sucked in Florida. I was like, wow, this is the worst six weeks of my entire life because we, I was living at someone else's house and I didn't know how to take care of my children. I was so out of control and I was truly just a shell of a human being. I was barely making it. I, I didn't reach out. I didn't share anything. I just cried my way through it. And then we bought our house and all of a sudden I was living on a golf course community. Everything's wonderful. And I'm riding my bike around the golf course and everybody, you know, now I'm part of a book club and I'm part of a wine club and having this grand old time. And then I get divorced and COVID's going on. And I'm thinking I'm going to take the kids and go back to LA. And I give notice to my house. I said, yes, I'm coming to LA, but there was nowhere to live. You know, I wasn't making any money. So which home is going to accept me as a tenant making zero money. So I had money in the bank enough to say that like I qualified, but no one's going to accept me because everybody was making other people were making money that they could qualify. I wasn't. So I was in the middle of a meditation and I said in the meditation, so it's Sunday that I'm doing the meditation. The movers are coming Wednesday to pack me Thursday to load the truck and Friday I'm supposed to turn in my car and get on a flight and I don't have a house in LA. And I don't have a house in LA at the time. So it's under a week, I'm moving. And I said, God, let me know. If I'm meant to move, you make this like 100% clear. And if I'm not meant to go, you block every door because I need to know 100%. In the meditation, I hear the word and it's the street name I live on now. And I was like, why would that come into my meditation? And I called the agent. I said, did the house accept me? She said, no, you have no money. And I, I'm like, why did, would the word come into my meditation? And that night after I tried everything and I said to her, I guess I'm not going, there's nowhere to go to her. She's like, you're so dramatic. Just like, you know, you'll find something. I said, no, I, I really, I asked God and he said, and I know it's supposed to be clear. 10 minutes later, the owner of the house called and said, I've accepted you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah. But every minute I sat with it in my, in my presence. So I've been afraid and I've been afraid and I've been afraid. How am I going to do this? But I know every time I've asked the clear questions, the clear answers have always come. And so I keep being led and I keep trusting. So I'm like, God's not going to bring me this far and drop me. He's not. What do you fear now? (sighs) what if I do all of this 
And what if the timing is off? Like, what if, what if, what if? If I follow the what if train, I go into all kinds of crazy, like, fears. But truthfully, I have such faith and trust that my fears are so man-made by me that there is nothing to fear. I, I make them up. If I really need to chase a rabbit hole, I, I follow a fear. And uh, there's nothing real about a fear. And I just trust that like, I'm going to always be shown the very next step. One of the things I remember being so righteous about was I, you know, I saved money. I bought a house at 28. I was doing the like right thing. I, I, I didn't drive a really nice car. I drive a, drove a Jeep and, and, you know, regular cars because I was saving money to buy a house. I did. And I was so proud of myself that I'd done this by 28. Right. Well, the market dropped afterwards. Everybody else who'd never saved a penny bought a house. And I was like, wow, I guess my righteousness was a little off because I thought I was so smart. <laughs> and now when the world is changing, I'm taking the same thing. I'm going to be the girl who buys something with whatever that somebody else did. It doesn't have to be the way I thought it was going to be. Mm. So how amazing to take that opportunity and be like, well, I haven't been doing it this way, but I still get to because they did. So I think one of the biggest challenges in anyone's life is the voices in their head. So what do the voices in your head say and how do you control them? Hmm. My voices love talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> chatty, Kathy. You got a, you got a congregation up in there. Oh yeah. And I hear them and I say, thank you so much for sharing. Those things usually don't serve me. And so I listen to your podcast. I listened, I call people who are inspiring. I do a hundred percent of everything else I tell everyone else to do. Because the voices, they're useless. They're, they're truly useless. They, they've never served me. They don't serve anybody. You know, it's the biggest pitfall is to follow the voice. So I just say thank you for sharing. I think one of the biggest, uh, biggest things is the, and you hear it through you, and I, I, I hear it all the time with, with people that fly in your kind of orbit is it seems like you have a, the key to a different attitude, right? And so what are the components? Like, what are the components of that? Because when people are hearing it and they're, uh, you know, like a single mom is hearing you and being so inspired because you're not just talking about the successes. You're like, no, I mean, I was feeling that I'm, I'm, I'm having to do the work to make sure that the voices stay low or that I'm battling them or whatever it is. So what are some actionable things that a person can do to be able to start to shift their attitude right now before their circumstances ever go? Well, if we tend to feel sorry for ourselves, so if you're feeling sorry for yourself, ask yourself, is that an empowering experience or disempowering? Because I was a master at enrolling people into my stories and boy, were they disempowering, but I didn't know. I, I, I thought they were connecting. I thought they were vulnerable and I thought I was sharing and people were connecting. I didn't know that it was pathetic. So someone said to me once, wow, 
that's not how I see you. So that's very disempowering. I want to be jumping into your story and helping you too, but that doesn't serve you because that's not even how I see you. And I thought, wow, okay. So I started to shift how I tell my story, first of all. Mm. And second, how many beautiful people do we see in our life? Really capable, smart. You're like, if you only believed in yourself, the world would be yours. And they're walking around feeling sorry for themselves. They can't even see it. They're just so, I lost a friend who really, the world loved her and she couldn't see it and she overdosed and died. And I watch people that I'm like, wow, you would be amazing. The world is just dying to be part of your life. And, And they're just like, oh, poor me, poor me. And you're like, really? You're going to enroll people in that poor you and you're enrolled in it. And it's so useless because it's like how wild to go. I know when I'm around you, I physically feel elated. I know when people are around me, they share the same thing. So am I really going to pretend that I don't make a difference? Like, am I really going to pretend I don't make a difference so that I could play victim and be irresponsible about my life? So if I show up with all of the energy that makes me me, and I know I get to really have a possibility of life and changing people's lives and being the mother I've always wanted to be and being the person that makes a difference, am I really going to pretend that I don't do that? Please rewind that and listen to it every single morning. Clip it out. <laughs> and I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing to hear it because, you know, to hear about the, you know, like the enrolling, the enrolling in, in that story. I've never heard it put that way. Um, help us to understand too. We were, my, me and my, my friend Kevin were just talking about this. Anytime when God goes to bless you, the devil comes in and tries to rob your joy, whether it be through like he blesses you in this area. Say he blesses you with a house and then maybe you, you know, something happens, you know, with your car or something happens financially and then something happens in your relationship. And blah, blah, blah. how do you combat this and deal with it? Because literally I can tell you every time that I see someone go into a joy state, which Understand joy and happiness is completely different. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is the art of falling in love with your current circumstances to allow the magic that needs to happen around you. But every time that I see that joy, the person gets present, something comes in and tries to rob the joy. But you seem to be a master at stiff arming the, 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 the enemy and that's trying to rob your joy. How do you do this? I think naturally I'm one of those people. Like, I, I don't know if I, it's like a Pollyanna or whatever is about me. Cause I truly, it, when I wake up, I look outside, I see the star, I see the trees, I see the green. I, I'm just like, I'm so lucky. I live in a house half the size of the one I left. And I feel just as lucky. I really am like, to me, that morning cup of coffee, my beautiful children knowing that they're safe at home. And that makes me happy. I, the, the, I used to look outside and think, wow, I have a gorgeous pool and a gorgeous house, that made me happy. And so wherever you are, appreciate it, because I swear to God, it's like, it doesn't feel any different to me. I guess if I had to look at it and go, I live in half the size, maybe I would be like, wow, this is not good. But it didn't occur to me that it wasn't, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, uh, Louisa, what's next? Well, every day I make myself uncomfortable by doing things that keep stretching me. So I have been choosing to stay uncomfortable. And I love what your wife said. Uh, it, it was something I think you posted today. Just choose to die every day. Cause the guy's like, I died almost three times today. And so she said, just choose to die once each day. And so every time I choose something uncomfortable, I love sharing it and bringing everybody with me. So I'm teaching a course starting March 6th and it's called the culture catalyst. It's the clarity catalyst. It started uh, 40 years ago at Stanford university when people were graduating college and coming back saying i did everything i was supposed to do and i'm not happy and so dr michael ray created this eight-week curriculum i see all of the the work in other books and it's actually laid out in this eight weeks it's beautiful the reason i teach it is because it made such a huge impact in my life that i wanted to live it so if anyone's interested connect with me because it's going to be launching and it's it's got a special for the for the launch this time. And I know it's something special. Well, I mean, spending time with you, there's a, there's a thing that I want to tell you as listeners, like this isn't a guest on the podcast. This is my friend. And this is a thing for, for you, every one of you that's listening. And thank you for listening and for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, please tell your wife because only 20% of our audience is women. But I believe, women, you can overtake the men on our podcast. Also, 84% of the people that watch it on YouTube are not subscribed. So just smash the button. You know you need to do it. Um, but for all of you out there listening, like, I want to thank you, but I also want to honor you in that I bring people onto this show. I know their character. Like, I'm not going to bring on a person that I don't know their character. And so when she's talking about the eight-week course and getting involved, we're going to have a link to all of that in the bio. But I could tell you this, emphatically, on my name, all that she's talking about, she lives. And that's not normal. This is not a sales pitch. It's not any of those things. It's just who she is. If you get Louisa, if you get a chance to talk to her, which if you're lucky enough to become her friend, if you talk to her on the phone, you'll feel this energy. If you get a text from her, this is wild. I get texts from her, I feel this same energy. And all it is, is how can I contribute to you? How can I lift you up? How can I make you better? How can, can I introduce you to this person? Can I introduce you to this person? And it's constant and it is real as the day is long. And Louisa, I just, I want to thank you for that. It's, it, you just don't find people like you in this world. And I want to, I want to celebrate the highest level. Thank you. Well, you are my mirror. You, I feel the same way about you. And that was exactly why we connected and have a friendship for life. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful what you create. And I love the way you show up because you really are leading in a way where you're allowing other people to be leaders with you. And that's a true leader. And I'm really grateful for you. Well, I, I appreciate it. I started the podcast and you know why, because of two uh, people, two people. And uh, they said, like, people have asked me, like, what's your niche? My niche is my kids and my wife. That's what it is. And I feel that if I get a chance to be able to be around some of the most iconic people in the world, I want to share with them. And I want to share with them that all of you icons, like the Luisas of the world are not superheroes, that you are people that bleed, that have pain, that go through dark times but just have a phenomenal attitude and you're willing to put in the work. 
And so when I started the podcast, I did it because of Maddox and McKenna. And I wanted to show, I wanted to show them that. And I wanted them to have, you know, now they have, this is 249 episodes of some of the greatest people in the world. And they all give advice to my kids by name. And so what advice, Louisa, would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use their names, it would be awesome. Absolutely. Maddox and McKenna, I have actually personally watched you both with your dad. And you both are truly beautiful souls, so individual, and you're so lucky to be led by a remarkable family. And I truly love your family as a unit. And I love how individual you all are. And I truly love your family as a unit. And I love how you see the gold in both your children. Maddox and McKenna, you are lucky children. And you are so blessed. I can't wait to watch you create magic in this world. Well, Louisa, it has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, uh, we're going to have the links for, for everything uh, with the podcast, with everything. I and I could tell you this as a personal endorsement. Anything that Louisa does is absolute magic. And to be a part, to be able to call you my friend, to be a part of the masterminds that I've got a chance to be a part of with you, the events that we get to go to that are, uh, you know, one in the same, um, it has been an absolute pleasure. And to be able to spend this time with you is, it's unbelievable to me. And, and I want to have you on the show more often. I'm sure that all the ladies and especially the single moms and the single mom hairdressers and the, the women and then the men and every person breathing is going to be like, can we get more Louisa? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So here's the time where I want to, it's the shameless part for me is for me, it's all about relationship. We talked about that before. And, you know, with, with the Louisa, you can see that she's about relationships and those relationships most of the time turn into transactions, but it's never first. And that way she has a lifetime of business. And I, I just, I, I want to honor you in this, uh, Louisa, because you're such a phenomenal example. That being said, all of the people that are on are relationship based. And we want to thank you. We want to thank you for helping us to get into the top 1% globally. As far as all podcasts, it blows my mind because we haven't done it through uh, ads. We haven't done it through marketing. What we've done it through is you listening and you sharing. And I want to thank every single one of you for it. And Louisa, you have been an absolute pleasure. Your kids are lucky. Uh, your man is lucky. I love him too. He is an incredible, incredible human being. And I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much, Kelly. This is fabulous. <laughs> You're officially off the hot seat. <laughs>